All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Rolling with Winners, episode 26. I hope everyone had a great weekend trucking through the cold February weather and sort of getting closer to some warmer weather. I think February gets through the worst of it. March is still cold. April's still kind of cold too, but uh, starts getting a little bit better after this month if you are in a cold weather city like I am, but we will keep powering through. I tend to watch some more TV in the wintertime because it's just, you don't want to leave your apartment or your home as much (laughs) when it is 20 degrees outside. So this weekend, I realized the TV show The League was on Hulu, which I originally had first watched on Netflix many years back, but I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. And I think it's been on Hulu for a couple years maybe, but I truly just did not realize it was on there. And I forgot how much I love that show. I mean, Jenny is my girl, my inspiration being, you know, the one girl in the fantasy football league of all men. Really always respected her. But anyways, the point of this is if you have never watched the show and you have a Hulu account, go watch it. It's just got some really classic material, great one-liners. I would just highly recommend it if you haven't watched it or if you have, just go watch it again. Uh, So we have some new exciting topics today to get into. Uh, The all-star teams have been selected this year. The NBA trade deadline was this past week, and it's always exciting to see teams scramble to make last-minute moves in order to, you know, try to do something to appease their fan bases for the remainder of the season. We also had the start of the XFL season this weekend, which I am personally super excited about. I don't know if I'm just missing football or what, but we have at least another two or so months of football on our televisions. Uh, So those are going to be my main topics for today, but let's get into it, starting with the NBA All-Star Draft. So one of my favorite things that the NBA has adopted, and I think, I want to say it's been the last three years they've done it. I think the first year the guys drafting were LeBron and Steph, then... LeBron and Giannis the last two years they may have done it before that but I I really cannot quite remember but um, LeBron absolutely dominated the draft this year LeBron's starting lineup is AD obviously he had to had to pick him first Kawhi Luka and James Harden and then Giannis was the other guy drafting he has Embiid, Siakam, Kemba Walker and Trey Young Uh, it felt like it felt like Giannis maybe tried to pick the lesser players on purpose, but I don't know. Uh, LeBron definitely went with more of the older crew, even throughout his entire bench, whereas Giannis kind of went with a pretty young group, which isn't super surprising. LeBron is kind of loyal to to his boys if he has like a relationship with you. I think he's probably more apt to draft you in that. Um, Not that any of it really matters all that much, but it's always fun to speculate. I remember in last year's All-Star Draft, LeBron picked AD. Uh, He wasn't a starter. He was a bench player last year. But Giannis was like, isn't this tampering? Because obviously at the time LeBron wanted AD. So it was just a funny moment to be like, oh yeah, that's when you know Anthony Davis is going to LA. Um, I think... (laughs) Honestly, I think LeBron low-key strategizes his draft picks ahead of time with what he wants to do, and Giannis, like, totally wings it in the moment. Is like, hey, can someone tell me, like, who is actually an all-star that I can draft? Because I did not think about it until right now. Meanwhile, LeBron has, like, a full spreadsheet of, like, every move he would make based on what Giannis does. I just feel like that's probably how it goes. But anyways, 
In other NBA news, um, the biggest trade deadline topic I want to discuss is Andre Drummond, which obviously was a big move um, for Cleveland to be able to get him on our roster. It was not something I was really expecting to happen, but was definitely excited to see it come across my phone. Um, I think Cleveland basketball needed some excitement injected into it and this definitely did that Andre said that he thought the trade was a joke at first which like totally get it he also tweeted if there's one thing I learned about the NBA there's no friends or loyalty I've given my heart and soul to the Pistons and to have this happen with no heads up makes me realize even more that this is just a business I love you Detroit so obviously he was a little bit upset at first and I mean, I really can't imagine what it feels like to be a player in general and hear that you have to move to another city, like totally uproot your life without, you know, any warning signs of that and just have that happen. I'm sure that would be really hard. And then on top of that, they're telling you you have to go to Cleveland, which like also would be really hard. But at the same time, I don't feel bad for him because he's coming from Detroit. So honestly, in my personal opinion, Cleveland is a step up from Detroit. So I don't feel bad for him in that sense. I guess if like you're moving from L.A. to Cleveland might be a little bit of a bummer. But, you know, I think he'll be fine. I just feel like it would be such a wild feeling. And I think we forget that when these trades happen, that these players are literally changing their lives in one moment because of those choices, but they also make a lot more money than the average person does. So again, don't feel bad for them. Um, But anyways, statistically, he is averaging 17.8 points per game, 15.8 rebounds per game, and 2.8 assists per game this season. He's shooting 53% from the field, and I believe only 54% from the free throw line, which that is um, definitely his biggest downside, I would say. Uh, obviously the big thing in all of this is that he can become an unrestricted free agent after this season. So we don't have him long-term as of now, but I think the potential is there to work something out. Um, I think we, we actually really have the ability to build around a guy like him. We have a lot of young guys and I think we are able to offer him more money in this role long-term than a lot of other teams would. So I really do see this lasting beyond just this season. Um, But when I first saw what we got for him in the trade, I was especially in shock. Brandon Knight, John Henson, and a 2023 second-round pick. Uh, I think everyone's first thought was Detroit is stupid. And after a few days of thinking about it, I I definitely still think they're stupid. I, I understand they want to move forward without him. And the only reason I can think of why they got so little is because You know, in the league right now, a traditional big man like him really doesn't have a lot of value like it may be used to in the NBA. The NBA currently is a shooter's league, and the Steph Currys, the James Hardens, the Russell Westbrooks of the world have kind of shifted the league. And maybe the Pistons didn't want to have to give him another big contract since they recognize the value of a big man on their roster and wanted to put more of their money towards getting some talented shooters He's also probably, like I mentioned, one of the worst free throw shooters in basketball. So although that was probably not the biggest factor in their decision, it definitely could have been a factor in the overall choice um, for their explanation for this decision. And, you know, we're kind of reaping the benefits of it, so I'm okay with that. 
it will be interesting to see how he kind of fits in with the, you know, Tristan Thompson's, Larry Nance, K-Love, you know, group on the team. I'm sure it'll take some some shifting, and I have definitely heard in press conferences that Tristan Thompson is going to have to really enjoy and make the most of his bench role, um, especially with these shifts here. So it'll take some getting used to, but like I said, if we can keep him longer than the remainder of the season, I think it'll be something to build on. It's really hard to build on something mid-season, uh, so interested to see how how that will take off in the future. So getting into the XFL now, which guys, like I said, super excited about this. I have selected the team that I am going to root for. It came down to the New York Guardians and the DC Defenders. So if you have yet to pick an XFL team to cheer for or just haven't decided if you want to watch, I am telling you that you are now a fan of the DC Defenders. So I'm just deciding, like, they are going to be Cleveland's team. We are adopting them. Main reason I obviously selected them is because of Cardell Jones being their quarterback. But after watching the game against Seattle, like, I'm totally sold on it. I've been looking at gear online because I kind of just want to buy a t-shirt. I'm just, I'm pumped to be a fan. I mean, the MVP chants for Cardell were ringing through the stadium. Literally, before he did anything on the field, those fans were in that stadium acting like they've been wanting this team to win a championship for 50 years and Cardell's been their boy for 10 years like it was awesome I loved it I love the support and you know I'm extremely I'm very proud of my teams my Cleveland teams my Ohio State teams you all know super proud of them but I, w- I was born being into a fan of all of those teams so there was just something really exciting about sitting there looking at this list of eight teams and just deciding to pick one Um, I based it a lot on what fan base I felt like I could relate to the most. Like, I don't want to be a fan of an LA team or one of, there's a couple Texas teams. I just feel like I wouldn't vibe with them and they're not the kind of fan base that would work for me. So I really just went with what I felt was going to fit in most with me, which is why it came down to DC and New York ended up going with DC because I figure I could maybe drive to a game and that would be that would be fun. So if you want to go, let me know. I am I am interested in going to a DC Defenders game. Um but there are quite a few differences after watching this game that I have learned from the XFL and the NFL. But it really kept the game interesting and I'm just going to go through a few of the ones that have really stood out to me. The big differences um, that I thought made it fun to watch and some of the rule changes that really mixed up the game in a new and just interesting way. Um, so, oh, last thing before I get into those. Um, all of this, like my new fandom comes with like a little asterisk because if Cleveland or Columbus decide to get a team, they are officially going to have to be my number one team, no questions asked. I don't even know if this league's actually going to last long, but if they do and they expand and get an Ohio team, not Cincinnati, I don't care about them, but like Cleveland or Columbus, I've heard like rumblings of people wanting a Canton team to play at the Hall of Fame, absolutely would cheer for that too, um, but they'll have to be my number one team. I'll still be a Defenders fan like on the, on the lower side, but you know, Ohio over everything. So getting into then the differences between the XFL and the NFL rules, the two-minute warning differs between the two leagues. 
um, plays that end in the field of play, the game clock will stop for the ball to be spotted and five seconds will run off the play clock. Uh, Incomplete passes and out-of-bounds plays, the game clock will stop until the ball is snapped. Obviously, this differs from the NFL because if the play ends on the field of play in the NFL, the game clock continues to run. So it's just an interesting new twist. I kind of wonder on a lot of this stuff if, if the guys in this league are having trouble adjusting their instincts if they have previously played in the NFL like if their brain ever just forgets this is the new rule uh, I would be interested to see if we see some of that at all like a guy thinking that the clock is running and it's not um, one of my favorite rules has to do with the kickoff as well as the punts so we will start with the kickoff On kickoffs, players cannot move until the ball is touched. Uh, Out-of-bounds kickoffs or kickoffs that fall short of the 20-yard line will result in an illegal procedure penalty, which will take the ball to the kicking team's 45-yard line. Kickoffs that land in the end zone are automatically placed at the receiving team's 35-yard line. Similarly, on punts, the punting team cannot release across the line of scrimmage until the ball is punted, Touchbacks or punts that hit out of bounds inside the 35-yard line automatically place the ball at the 35-yard line. Definitely exciting, both of these, because this is encourage you encourages you to actually try to return the ball. Uh, kickoffs and punts are definitely some of my biggest complaints in the NFL. Mostly kickoffs, not as much punts. So I personally love this rule to mix things up and get some actual action rather than the touchback or the flag on every single kickoff. Um, there are a few other variations in the kickoff and punt rules, but those were really the main points of those rules that stood out to me. Um, So the XFL is not doing extra points and actually have this tiered system instead where you can pick between starting at the 2, the 5, or the 10-yard line, which will give you either 1, 2, or 3 points if you are able to actually score with this. Um, It just keeps the game close, I think, and you can be within two possessions if you take the 3 on both of those possessions in, in a different way. So if it was like an, let's see, 18 point game you could technically be two possessions away I hope I did that math right but you could be two possessions away from tying that game which is really exciting keeps things close just gives you some different choices to make some coaches I'm sure will get creative with these things Uh, so I'm kind of excited about that rule Uh, Another one of my favorite changes is overtime. I've talked about overtime tirelessly on this show. You all know that I have a lot of complaints about the NFL overtime where it can end in a tie and the coin toss matters way too much. I think the XFL kind of recognized a lot of people disliked this in the NFL and came up with a different overtime system to use. It's kind of like I don't know hockey that well, but I think it's kind of like a shootout in hockey. Uh, There are five rounds. Each round will consist of one offensive play for each team. So the possessions for each team will start at the five-yard line, and you have one play to try to score the most points at the end of five rounds win. So if it's still tied at that point, you go into a sudden death until one team scores and the other doesn't within one round. So everyone is still getting an equal shot at having the chance to score. Um, I 
hope we get a bunch of overtime games this XFL season because I'd really like to see this shootout happen in action. I don't think the NFL would ever adopt an overtime system as extreme as this because it is so drastically different from what they do right now. But I wish they could meet in some type of middle ground. Like I said, college overtime, great system. Totally think the NFL could do that. This is a fun, more like, it feels kind of gimmicky, but I think it's still interesting and it'll it'll keep some games interesting if they make it to to that overtime. So there's a couple other minor rule differences, but I think these are the major ones that will really affect the game and the way people watch it, in my opinion. Now, mind you, I am a fan of a lot of these changes and in theory will enjoy watching this league, but at the end of the day, it's not the NFL. Even if I like some of the rules more, it's not going to be a league that I am as big of a fan of because it just doesn't have the history and the same feeling that NFL football gives you. You just can't, you can't duplicate that. I, I'm not sure if this league will have any, you know, longevity here. I think we'll have an answer maybe at the end of the season if people are still interested. I know there have been so many attempts at creating a secondary professional football league and so many, all of them have failed. Um, So it'll be interesting to see kind of what ends up happening here. But for now, we are all DC Defenders fans looking forward to watching Cardell out on that field. Um, I'm just, I'm a fan and I think it's going to be fun. And then lastly today, I think I've skipped out on important things to know and crushing brewskis in the muni lot for some recent episodes. Kind of skipped out on it for the Kobe episode, and I don't think I did it last episode, but I did forget to talk about the hiring of Andrew Barry as the general manager for the Browns. I am pretty excited about this hire. It is important to note that he was the Browns VP of player personnel from 2016 to 2018 and then last year was with the Eagles as the VP of football operations. He is he's a numbers guy. He graduated from Harvard with a bachelor of economics and a master's in computer science. He actually out of college then had an offer to work at Goldman Sachs but instead decided to be a scouting assistant for the Colts. He is only, I think, 32 years old, which makes him the youngest GM in NFL history. And, you know, it's an interesting pick, but I'm pumped for it. We had to do something different. The Freddie and John Dorsey combo, those are those are football guys right there. And this is a pretty, pretty major flip with Stefanski and Andrew Barry as the new combo. It's just it's a different way of looking at football. And I think we needed to do something different because Like we've been saying, obviously what we were doing wasn't working. Last other Browns thing, if you do or don't watch the Pardon My Take Barstool Sports podcast, which I know you're not supposed to talk about other podcasts on your own podcast, but I'm a big fan of that podcast. They interviewed Baker uh, Super Bowl weekend, but the episode posted recent, more recently, and it was awesome. I'm just, I love... I love when they interview him. He's just a fun guy, and I, I think he has learned from last season and is really just going to put his head down and you know, not let people affect him, not let the media affect him like it might have a little bit last season. So I'm looking forward to his new mindset and what he's going to bring to the table this coming season. 
So that is all I have for you guys today. Uh, please leave me a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts, uh, follow or subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Um, and I hope you all have a great week.